This episode is centered around mental health. And in these type of conversations comes triggers. It can be very triggering. With that being said, Unpacking the Box podcast is dedicated to the well-being of everyone. That is first and foremost. It is very important to me and this community. So if you're experiencing suicidal thoughts, if you're in a crisis, if you are in a dark space that you cannot get out of, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. I will also include it in the show notes. If this is not you, please pass this along to someone uh, who needs it because that is what it's all about. We have to help each other and check on each other. Okay, you guys? All right. Enjoy the show. The heaviness of my heart. Depression stretches like stretching the lesson of hope during a recession. I'm hoping for joy but finding screams. I'm searching for normal yet never being seen. The depression stretches. Like a storm with no ending, the rainbow at the end is far from presenting itself. And my eyes are heavy from the relentless tears. I'm flooded with fears and I'm no longer feeling anything worth feeling. Numbness is not healing and my indifference is not fleeing. Bound. I'm hostage to these feelings and can't find the escape route to freedom. My soul is tired and my heart is bleeding, yet I can't tell if it's still beating, sitting inside my hollow chest. I'm functioning on borrowed rest. And lately, sleep hasn't come easy. Every time I feel a little more like me, trouble shatters my peace. Leaving broken pieces again, the depression stretches on and on it stretches. I'm reaching for the promise of a happy ending. All I want is my happy ending. But I'm finding it hard to find the blessings inside this house built of depression. Hey everybody, my name is Kiana Denae. I just want to give a shout out and a huge thank you again to the Queen Linnea and allowing me to uh, read my piece, The Heaviness of My Heart. You can find more about me on www.kianadenae.com or you can follow me on Instagram at Kiana underscore Denae. Thank you all. It's time for a legendary introduction. Welcome to Unpacking the Box. I really think nobody does it better. Join the conversation as we cover everything from life and relationships. All a woman wants is a choice. Inspiring interviews. That just hit me. Wow. And everything in between. Just keeping it real. We keeping it all the way real. Whoa. Now let's start unpacking. This is Linnea, your host, and welcome back to Unpacking the Box podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? The show starts in 10, 9, Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, 
tonight I'm here with Zena, who is a licensed clinical mental health counselor and a licensed clinical addiction specialist. How are you, Queen? Hello. Hey, Queen. Hey, I'm good. Hi, everybody. Hey, I'm so glad to have you. I'm glad to be here. I've been wanting to talk to a mental health professional for like so, so, so long, and I'm so excited to talk to you. Yes. Okay. Let's hear it. I'm ready. I'm excited. Yeah. So first you got to tell the people, where are you from? I am originally from Baltimore. I was born and raised in Baltimore. I live in North Carolina now. I've been here um, almost four years, um, but I'm a little bit back and forth. I am at home, I would say at least once every other month, maybe a little bit more. And yeah, so I'm back and forth, up and down 95. Yes, a and and the people already know I'm from Baltimore too, so you already know. Like we're gonna we we instantly vibing just off of that. <laughs> yes. yes. So tell me because I I think it takes a really special human being to do this type of work that you're doing. So tell me what led you to this career. Ooh, uh, let me keep this short. So actually, I started off on a completely different career path. Um, mm -hmm. I started off in nursing, actually. Um, I wanted to be a psychiatric nurse. However, when I was in undergrad, um, I was diagnosed with lupus, which is a serious medical condi condition, mm -hmm. um, which caused me to actually be hospitalized for about five months. And long story short, I was pretty much on life support and you know, a whole bunch of other stuff. But during that time, um, I actually ended up having to miss school for about a year. Um, I had to learn how to do a bunch of stuff over. So in that time frame, I actually slipped into a pretty deep depression um, because of the situation. You know, I couldn't couldn't go back to school. And once I did finally go back to school, I couldn't be in a nursing program anymore. I had to start all over because I had missed two semesters, blah, blah, blah. So mm -hmm. I actually slipped into like a really deep depression. So during that time, you know, things got really, really dark and I took it upon myself to actually seek therapy and seek counseling. The counselor that I met um, also from Baltimore, she was amazing. Um, she really helped me get my life kind of back on track. And she showed mm -hmm. me that you know, sometimes things happen that we can't control that are out of our control. And, you know, we really didn't ask for she helped me get it back on track. So from that experience, I actually wanted to become a counselor because I felt like she helped me so much. I had to be able to give that same amount of help or more to other people, especially people, you know, like myself. Yes, I love that. And I love how you recognize that you needed help and you got the help. Yes, yes. That's a great thing. Now, what areas do you specialize in? Um, so I am a little bit all over the place. So I do a lot of addiction. Um, addiction is actually where I started. I have a family history of addiction that, you know, kind of sparked my interest. So I started with addiction, but now I specialize in depression, anxiety, um, eating disorders, uh, mm -hmm. autism spectrum disorder, um, ADHD, um, you name it, trauma, a lot of trauma work as well. So you name it, I'll probably do it. I like to, I guess, keep myself open and exposed to different things so that I can keep my skill set going. And I also do a little bit of teaching of counseling right now as well. Okay, so you're doing a, a little bit of everything. I love that. Yes. Yes, so this is what I really wanna get into. And we talked about this briefly before. So 
a lot, I don't know, like, look, I think it was the last episode, my guest kind of brought this up a little bit, um, but we didn't dive deep into it. I was really waiting to talk to you to get to into this further. But first of all, can we talk about depression and anxiety for a moment? And not that the other things are, you know, less than, but just because I think these two things, for some reason, I know in my opinion, I'm not sure how you feel, but I feel that people don't take these things seriously when people come forth and they say, well, I, you know, I'm, I have depression or have anxiety. I don't think people really take it serious until that person, you know, unfortunately commits suicide. And then they're like, oh my God, well, why didn't, you know, somebody help them and this and that. So I really wanted you to first, you know, go into all of all of those two things and just break down, you know, what what is it, first of all, so we can all understand. Yeah. So I guess starting with depression, you know, like you said, they are both very serious mental health conditions and illnesses that um, often go unrecognized. For one, you know, I want to mention that depression by itself, a lot of people feel like a person who suffers from depression is a person who, you know, walks around looking really sad all the time and, you know, cries a lot or may isolate a lot. And, you know, you never really get to see them. They're just an unhappy person, which it very well can look like that. However, depression can also look like that person that you know who is always looking, you know, super happy and super bubbly. And, you know, you feel like is looking on from the outside in is probably on top of the world or has a great life, right? You mm -hmm. know, however, behind closed doors, that person is mentally broke down, especially the person if you know, you, we all have that one friend that we kind of go to, um, to, to get insight on all of our issues and our problems, you know, your strong friend, quote, unquote those strong friends are often the ones who also suffer from depression because like myself, people who are somewhat empathic, they take on, you know, the feelings and the problems of other people. And that go-to person sometimes gets so overwhelmed that behind closed doors, that depression sets in, right? So mm -hmm. depression can look like, you know, just being tired all the time. You know, it can look like you having an inability to think or concentrate, being indecisive you know, feelings of worthlessness or excessive or inappropriate guilt. It can be weight loss. It can be, you know, trouble sleeping. And it can also be like a depressed mood most of the day or, you know, a diminished interest in things that you usually find pleasure in. For example, that person who, you know, usually hangs out with friends or you used to seeing out on the scene a lot. And then you figure out like, hey, I haven't seen you in, you know, six, seven months. Where have this person, where has this person been? So, you mm -hmm. know, isolating themselves so it's such a such a broad spectrum of of what it looks like and it looks different for everybody so you know just checking in and saying hey how you feel because like you said depression can certainly lead to you know suicidal thoughts and feelings actually a person who suffers from depression it's pretty normal to have suicidal thoughts and feelings right so suicidal mm -hmm. ideations is what we call it and suicidal ideations could just be you thinking I don't really want to kill myself, but the world may be better without me here in it, you know, or I wonder mm -hmm. what the world would look like if I just wasn't here, you know, what my family would think. So mm -hmm. having those kind of like super passive thoughts is, is a, is a common, um, you know, symptom of depression. So it just gets a little bit more sticky when the person has an actual plan. And unfortunately, having that plan sometimes means that that person's going to eventually carry that plan out. And that's usually when other people finally take notice, like, oh, well, hey, this person, you know, committed suicide, we had no clue, they always look so happy, why didn't they ask for help? And, you know, the reality is, for one, there's such a stigma against it, you know, you can't just say, 
go to your most friends and say, hey, I'm depressed. And, you know, I don't really know how to, to deal with this. Because most people are like, oh, you know, you're fine. You probably just need to get some sign or you probably just need to go out a little bit more, you know, but a lot of times it's a lot deeper than that. And it's also something that, you know, if you are that person who present as a happy person, but you're actually depressed, you know, stepping outside of that facade that you're putting on can be a major challenge. Right. Um, so it's very important to to just acknowledge that and then to know, like, you know, having those thoughts, if you are having suicidal thoughts and ideations, that it is actually a normal part of being depressed, but you can get help. Um, and then being mindful of that, if you're that friend who calls, you know, the strong friend, quote unquote, to kind of unload all of your problems, maybe checking in with them first to say, hey, how are you feeling? You know, how's life going for you? What's going on on your end? Are you stressed? Are you, you know, taking care of yourself? You know, um, self-care, <laughs> cliche to say, but it's a real thing. Like, are you taking care of yourself? Are you getting out? Are you doing things for yourself? And, you know, instead of just listening to, to being everybody's go-to person. Um, with anxiety, anxiety is also, it can be intense, right? So anxiety looks different for everybody as well. Anxiety can be, you know, that person in a family that just constantly worries about everybody. You know, that person that's constantly calling to check on their children, like to see if they're okay, which, you know, being from Baltimore, that is something that you want to do. It's not Mm -hmm. that's the safest city at this point right so the person who's constantly calling people like hey are you okay i heard somebody got shot or you know someone got stabbed or this happened that happened calling everybody in the family are you okay are you okay are you okay you constantly worrying about someone that's anxiety right or if your mm -hmm. children are outside or you not letting them go outside oh no you can't go to that event it's you know you made something may happen to you you know when in reality you can be in your house and something happened to you but that excessive and that persistent like worry and, and fear about just everyday situations is, is anxiety. Um, you know, a lot of people have social anxiety. And I want to mention this specifically because in a, a social setting, right, like especially in pretty much any city you go to that's known for, you know, happy hours and kind of party mm -hmm. socializing, a lot of people have social anxiety and don't recognize it as social anxiety. That level of anxiety is what often leads to addiction, right? Because in those social situations, you feel like, oh, I got to drink or I got to, you know, do this drug to, to be able to socialize and feel comfortable, to be able to be comfortable with who I am so other people won't look at me differently or judge me, you know, and that is also anxiety and that level of anxiety usually leads to some level of addiction. So, um, yeah. Yes, these are, I'm so glad to be talking to you. Let me tell you why. Because, and these are the two things I really wanted to hone in on because I swear, like, people really do not, they don't take it seriously. Um, yeah. And I've known, unfortunately, I've, I've known, you know, a few people who have committed suicide for these reasons. And one of the things I just want to say is, well, first of all, I'm one of those people that, and, and I can even resonate with these things personally, but, and then I'm one of those people that I, re I research things and I read into things. I read a lot, right? Because I want, I want to know, I want to know, like, have other people been through this? What are the symptoms? What are the signs and all those things? So yeah. what I've learned uh, about both of these things, the things that they share in common is, you know, how like with depression and anxiety, like if you're sad or something, people will say like, well, you know, hey, I can cheer you up or maybe they tell you a funny joke or tell you to watch a funny movie or something like that. But I just yeah. want to say that it's not that easy, you know, to to um, 
to just it's not that simple. It's not that easy for us to just be like, oh, well, let me watch a funny movie. You tell me a joke and then I'm happy. That's not how it works, especially like, you know, when someone commits suicide, the first thing I hear people say, I don't know about you, is they'll say, well, why would they do something like that? Why would they leave their family behind? That's so selfish, right? Yeah. Now, before I learned about it, I would, I'm not, I, I can admit, I was one of those people that was like, well, how could somebody be so selfish and do that, right? But now I understand that no matter how many people tell you that, you know, you're a good person, you're beautiful, you should be happy, you have a great life, depression doesn't care about any of that because it just chokes you and it, it leeches onto you. And, and you can't shake that feeling when you're in that depression mode. It doesn't matter what people say to you that, that they think they're cheering you up. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You know? It gets a hold of, hold of you. And the same thing with anxiety. It's like being inside of a prison that you just can't break out of. You want to break out of it. You want to be happy. You want to be in this good space, but you can't. You can't break out. You try, but it's like something's weighing heavy on you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and again, especially in the Black community, right? Um, I want to specifically mention the Black community because in our community, we are so used to things being a certain way, right? And so it, it wasn't, even myself included, you know, born and raised in, in East Baltimore, the heart of East Baltimore, right? It wasn't until I got to college and started to come in, you know, contact with other people of other, you know, backgrounds, races, and started traveling a lot that I started to realize the things in my own upbringing weren't normal. So it's like, mm -hmm. you know, we go through things and we experience so many levels of trauma in our own households. And it's just kind of like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's normal. You, you, everybody went through that. You just go ahead and it happened. Mm -hmm. You just keep pushing through it. And it's like, you get older and these things start to, these traumas that you've experienced growing up and in childhood and within your family, your, you know, I say, uh, your, your family dynamic, right. Is you get older and start to realize like, well, maybe that was not the, the most normal thing. And this is how this has affected me. Like now as an adult, I have, you know, trust issues or my relationships, my interpersonal relationships aren't intact. You know, I'm going to work at an, I'm employed at a, per, a place where diversity has come into play and I don't know how to function in this environment, you know, or the things mm -hmm. that I say or the things that I expect are not a reality and, you know, things that I experience, like, not getting getting passed up for promotions because of your your skin color or the way that you interact with other people because you haven't really had that experience of being around other races and other you know ethnicities and cultures and things like that so you know and you feeling like stress and feeling stress and feeling mm -hmm. like your parents like everybody's parents are on drugs or you know everybody was raised in a household where we had to struggle financially you know things like that like those things are not normal even though you know for myself and some others maybe we were brought up to believe like hey this is how everything works this mm -hmm. is how it, you know this is normal to us when in reality it's not it's trauma you know um mm -hmm. the things that go on in households that are often swept under the rug you know um these things are, are trauma and growing up they start to manifest in your behaviors you know they start to manifest in your family dynamics and how we raise our own children. So, mm -hmm. you know, I just wanted to mention that, like that stigma of, for black people, like being strong. Oh, you know, we're strong, we can get through this. Black people are strong people. No, the hell we are not strong people. <laughs> yeah, we're strong people, we shouldn't have to be, right? So mm -hmm. being able to recognize it for what it is. And that's trauma, 
that trauma leads to depression. It leads to anxiety. It leads to substance abuse. It leads to broken, you know, families and communities that, that don't necessarily work together. Mm -hmm. So. Agreed. And it's like, and I'm glad we're on that subject too, because I want to talk about that with you too, you know, and why there's such a disconnect within the black community as it pertains to, you know, mental health illness and things like that. Because I feel that, and I, we were just talking about this too, like whenever you say to a black person, oh, I need to see a therapist, or I feel like I need to get some help. It's always, what's wrong with you? Like, yeah. what's wrong with you? Or why would you, you know, why would you want to do that? Yeah. But it's like, that pushes that person that pushes us back into a darker hole right right you know and you know sometimes it leads you to have to address things in your family that your family may not want to address right so especially mm. people like therapy now i will say within the last year specifically this is why I'm, I'm honestly thankful for the pandemic because i will say prior to the pandemic you know in my private practice i would say 85 percent of my clientele was white a year later, you know, post pandemic, about 90% of my clients are black. And I am so excited that black people are, it's becoming less stigmatized, mainly around my age group, you know, like mm -hmm. around the area of the thirties, late twenties to early forties, that population is actually seeking help because they're recognizing like, okay, so this is not normal. Maybe I should get a therapist. Maybe I should talk to somebody. You know, there are a lot of children, adolescents, young adults who, are struggling because you know this is probably going to sound bizarre but social media right so social media mm -hmm. our children you know if any of you guys have children as well who are like teenagers they don't know how to communicate that level of not being able to communicate in person face to face outside of social media outside of the internet you know um it's causing them to be depressed it's causing mm -hmm. them to have social anxiety they don't know how to interact with other people which is causing you know again, and them, that depression is causing suicidal problems in some of them. They don't know how to function in the world, right? So mm -hmm. all of those things play into just our mental health in general. So people are reaching out like, hey, my kid needs help. My kid is threatening suicide. My kid is unsure about their sexuality. My kid does not know how to identify, you know, their gender. They don't know what's going on. They don't know how to talk to other people, you know, what's going on. So people are reaching out and then you're having to confront your own past family history and, you know, previous dynamics, um, adults who are seeking therapy, like, Hey, my mom did this, or my dad did this, or, you know, we were brought up in a household that this happened. And then you're going back telling your family when you confront them, like, Hey, I was abused. I was sexually, sexually abused as a child by, you know, uncle Johnny. Mm -hmm. And then your family's like, oh no, that didn't happen. And, you know, you're bringing up old stuff. You don't need to see a therapist. You should just, you know, so reality is starting to shift you know um the dynamics of families are starting to shift and mental health although it's becoming less stigmatized it's also creating a lot more you know drama if in a family unit so things are definitely going to get a little worse before they get better but overall i am happy that black people are finally starting to seek therapy and starting to identify you know what is actually wrong and i love that yeah yeah, I go go ahead. I'm sorry to me cut you off. No, no, that's all I was saying. But yeah, I love hearing that because that's that's how that we're on the right path, and that's how it should be. You know, yes, that's yeah. how it should be. We have to remove the avoidance and the denial. We have to. Mm-hmm. 
you know? And you know, there's so many resources now, you know, and I tell people all the time, like, oh no, I can't afford therapy. Listen, if you can afford to go out to eat and you, you can afford all these things, you can afford to invest in yourself and your mental health by investing in therapy. If not, if you genuinely cannot afford it and you can't get, you know, some level of insurance help, Medicaid, their insurance, you know, therapists take all levels of insurance. But if you generally need help and you can't, you don't have insurance, you can't pay for it, call your local therapist. A lot of therapists, myself included, take pro bono patients, you know, pro bono clients. So um, call around and say, hey, this is my problem. I'm reaching out for help. I don't have insurance. I don't really have money, but I genuinely need some help. A lot of therapists will be like, cool, I'll take you on, you know, mm-hmm. um, most most therapists have at least two bro- two pro bono clients per year. So, um, you know, a person mm-hmm. who's seeking therapy, I would say a good six months of therapy is enough to give you the tools that you need to be able to figure out what's going on and help you get out of that situation, help you give a, get yourself a new outlook on, you know, perspectives, or at least get you some resources to, to get you better mentally. Yes, I love that too. That's helpful. That's helpful information. I'm glad you said that. Cause I think, I think that's too another thing. Like people wonder like, well, if I don't have insurance or if they don't cover it, I think that's, that's, you know, not the only reason, but that is part of it too. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. But yeah, we, you got to people, you have to get help. If you feel like something is off and you feel like something's not right, you got to get help. You have to, because we don't want to get to that point of suicide or where you've done something bad to a bunch of people because you were upset and you lashed out that's the that's what we want to prevent right right you know and then too like those of us who are looking from the outside and we're judging we have to also stop judging that and like I said I used to be one of those people like well why would they you know what what is wrong with them or why would they do that but now I understand because I have went through those things and I know now that instead of you know I was actually looking through looking at a, a uh, Instagram page today and um, it was some really like disturbing uh, footage that was on the page. And yeah. and instead of me being like, oh, this is, you know, messed up or saying something crazy and judgmental, I was like, something's deeply wrong. Something's d- deeply rooted and wrong. And there's some trauma there. That's how I was thinking. That's how I think now. Yeah, yeah. You know, trauma is just so common. And oftentimes people don't even know what trauma is, you know, and they say, I get a lot of people and I'm asking, you know, in, in sessions, what have you experienced any trauma? And they're like, oh, what's trauma? People only think only trauma um, that I'm talking about is abuse. Like, oh, no, I was never sexually abused or I was never physically abused. You know, trauma is so much deeper than that. Trauma can be anything that you feel some type of way about from your past or anything that you feel that you can question may or may not have been correct you know growing up in mm-hmm. inner city your parents were substance users you know or you lost a parent which is pretty common now people are just losing a brother uncle um you know even women are getting killed now so sisters cousins aunts uncles or they're on substances and you know abusing substances all of that is trauma being raised in a household where you didn't necessarily have the means to always make ends meet that's trauma you know having to skip school trips because your parents couldn't pay for it things like that also trauma you know or just you know it's just so it's so much deeper than people allow you to believe you know so just having being able to assess that you know yes girl you are dropping some gems because yes. yes. i think you you had the nail on the head people People equate trauma to like the really super, super bad stuff. Right. You are so right. Right. 
And I don't think they think like that little thing that happened to you in high school and middle school that hurt you, well, that kind of like all these little things that happened and there was a collection of things. And then when you got older, because you didn't deal with those things, well, you probably at that age didn't know how to deal with it. But now that you're an adult, those things are pairing in depression and anxiety because it will trigger you in the midst of, you could be at a party, you could be doing anything and something will trigger whatever that trauma was back then that you didn't deal with. It will appear in some form. Absolutely. You know, I'll, I'll tell people, you know, it can be something you could have been sitting in your elementary or middle school classroom and witnessed a fight, right? And not think twice about this fight that at that time was so traumatic for you. Or maybe you got injured some type of way or, you know, something happened after that. Maybe you lost a good friend or anything. And then years later, as an adult, a grown adult, you could be sitting, you know, at work in an emergency room and somebody start fighting in an emergency room it has nothing to do with you. And that can trigger an emotional response in you that that level of trauma that can reactivate a whole separate level of depression and anxiety you know and i tell mm -hmm. people all the time you know anxiety is something serious a lot of people oh no it's just it's just anxiety you know i'm just nervous i'm just worrying these thoughts are just intrusive i'm just tired it'll go away i'm just emotionally distressed for no reason it'll go away no what happens is it's a cycle it gets worse it gets worse you know, mm -hmm. your anxiety can start off as you just being nervous, you know, on occasion and end up with you, you know, being isolated to your home and not wanting to leave your home at all. You know, so it gets worse. Depression, same way. It's like, imagine being in just a dark, deep hole that's so deep, you can't climb out of it. You don't have a ladder. And it's like, you spend months and months and months just searching for a ladder to the point where it gets so, you know, so bad that you can't find that ladder that at that point you start to contemplating you know something as horrible as suicide mm -hmm. so, yeah yes let me tell you I was I'm not gonna be transparent now but by my 11 year old son thank god he's alive but when he was two years old he had a choking accident he choked on a piece of fruit mm -hmm. um and he almost died he literally was dead he was blue not breathing all of that bad stuff right yeah. and so um after that you know we went through that but I noticed that after that is when everything from me physically and mentally started going downhill and yeah. because at the time you know when I was going through it of course I was upset and then he got better and I felt like oh you know I'm happy again I'm like he's better he's living I'm alive I'm happy but then you know years later I would I would start to have anxiety and different things and um and this and that's what I mean like out of nowhere like I didn't understand because I thought like if you're having a good time laughing or in a good space then I don't understand how this just comes up in your life how you just trick like I had a panic attack and I didn't understand what it was or why like I didn't understand these things and so what happened was I learned that that was traumatic and I never really fully dealt with it after the fact and then some other things that you know you and you know living in the city and stuff like that certain things was just like building up and triggering me to the point where I went full into anxiety panic modes and it was really really bad and I noticed that it started off with panic attacks and then it progressed to not wanting to go in public places not wanting to ride in cars not wanting just I didn't want to do anything but stay in the house in the back yeah. Yeah. you know yeah. And you know, it's their secondary trauma and secondary anxiety. Like I, I've noticed this with my daughter. Um, I have a 15 year old who we are teaching to drive now. Right. So just having her out driving, she rode next to a police car and instantly she made a wrong turn. We like, Hey, what are you doing? Stop the car. 
she made a whole separate turn in front of another car almost had an accident because that seeing that oh police goodness. car gave her anxiety just based on what we've been seeing on the news based on police shooting black you know kids mm-hmm. so she instantly has she has a, a huge level of anxiety and secondary trauma just from what she's seen on the news from police shooting you know black teenagers that when she saw that police car even though she wasn't doing anything wrong and we were just teaching her to drive she you know had nothing to worry about there was no other cars on the road that one police car sent her into a whole separate level of panic and anxiety so you mm-hmm. got to keep that in mind as well secondary trauma and secondary you know experiences give you anxiety it can give you depression you know so be be mindful of what your children are exposed to you know so if you're even if you're in an abusive relationship things like that be very mindful of what your children has access to witnessing because those things that you feel like oh it didn't happen to them is fine no they're experiencing this trauma through someone else as well which can also cause mental health issues so mm-hmm Yes. So you guys, you got to take these things very serious because they can lead to some really, really tragic things. And we don't want that. So, you know, well, I feel like I have released a lot and I'm enjoying talking to you. (laughs) In the conversation, a lot of this stuff needs to be said, you know, get a therapist. A therapist should have a therapist. I have a therapist. (laughs) Everybody should have a therapist. You know, even if you're just checking in with that person once a month to say, hey, I'm still here, you know, I'm managing, you know, this is going on or that is going on. Just having that person to check in because things can happen at any time. You can experience the loss of a loved one that can sit you into an anxiety or a depression that you can't get out of on your own. So having that person established to call them and say, hey, I need help just to get through this, you know, temporarily or whatever having that person in your corner in your pocket in your child's corner in your child's pocket to to deal with things that they're experiencing there's bullying there's all types of things that children go through that we as adults may not be fully aware of or even as adults ourselves we may not be aware of things that we go through you know so just just having that person I always say get you a person and just in case just in case you need them you can say hey I need an appointment and you can get in yes I agree with that because I'm, I'm all about it. I'm like, man, let's normalize this thing. And, and not just in the Black community, just in general, let's normalize across the board when there's something wrong and you say you need help, get the help. And let's support those people that say they need help. Come on, you know? Reach out to somebody. I don't care who it is, reach out to somebody, right? Just Just reach out. You know, there are crisis lines. They even have text message. You can text crisis lines now and you can just have a text conversation. You can call crisis lines that are open 24 hours a day. You don't even have to give them your name and you can talk it out. You know, um, I have a, a therapy Instagram page that I just post tips on all the time. You can go and look on there and, you know, just get tips like, okay, I'm struggling with this. What should I do? What, what level of coping skills should I use? And try that. So do what you need to do, whatever works for you, but just, you know, do something. Yes. And can you share like a couple of couple of um, coping tips that you have, like for people that have that are triggered and like in that moment? Absolutely. Um, One thing that I like to say, I like to tell everyone to do this is with checking with yourself. Right. So when you wake up in the morning before you get out of bed, before you check your phone, before you, you know, do anything, check in with yourself. How do I feel? Is today a day that 
for whatever reason, my emotions may be off. Like, is it a big day? Is it a day that I lost someone? You know, did I get enough sleep last night? Am I hungry? You know, am I stressed out? Check in with yourself three times a day. In the morning before you get up, you know, halfway through your day around lunchtime, check in with yourself again. How my morning go? Am I feeling okay? Am I stressed? Am I anxious? Do I feel sad? Did I cry today? You know, am I feeling just off? Is something wrong? You know, and then again, before you go to bed, check in with yourself again. How did, you know, how did my day go? Is tomorrow a big day? Is tomorrow something that I should be concerned about? You know, do I feel anxious? You know, do I feel depressed? Do I feel not like myself, right? And then if you're mm-hmm. checking in with yourself constantly, the things won't be allowed to kind of build up and then catch you off guard. You know, for anxiety, some coping skills that I use, um, you can order like plastic ice cubes. Like if you have seen like the little plastic ice cubes you can kind of use for drinks and things like that. I don't use them for drinks, but pop them in your freezer, keep them in your freezer, hold them in your hands until they melt. That also, you know, that decreases your anxiety. Um, use engage your senses for anxiety it's great to engage your senses for a coping skill so you know looking around you can stop wherever you are and just start randomly naming how many things can you see how many things can you hear how many things can you feel what does it feel like how many things can you smell what do you smell what can you taste keep like a peppermint or like um, I like the little cinnamon altoids because they're pretty strong pop that in your mouth that can help you you know reground yourself from having an anxious moment If you're feeling depressed, you know, look up your resources, find that crisis phone number that's online, you know, you can Google, everybody has a cell phone these days, just Google crisis line, 24 hour crisis line, call those crisis line, or reach out to someone, you know, if you have social media, there are so many pages you can go to that people who are therapists or offer, you know, therapy or offer some level of advice or some level of mental health assistance, you know, reach out to those people, send them a DM and say, Hey, I'm just struggling. Do you have any resources for me? What can I do? You know, so Mm -hmm. those things are super important. Coping adult coloring books, super helpful. You can paint, you can, you know, if you're a person who likes to garden or plants and things like that, do whatever it is that's going to take your mind off of it. You know, the coping, the most important coping skill for any level of depression or anxiety is distraction. So whatever it is that you can do to distract yourself from your own thoughts or your own environment is a great tool that you can utilize to cope, whether it's playing video games or, you know, going golfing, go-kart and whatever it is, it's going to remove your distract you from whatever you're thinking I love it those are some awesome tips yes y'all better get into this conversation because sis is dropping some major tips and gems for (laughs) y'all yes very helpful all right so you know since we we got our serious and stuff now what do you like to do for fun you know when you are not busy working what you like to do Woo, girl is not being not busy is that (laughs) thing like do people actually have time (laughs) Um, let me see I like to do brunch I am a brunch person so I go to brunch every Sunday that is my self-care brunch is my thing um so I like to read as well which most people say is kind of um nerdy I'm a big nerd low-key don't tell nobody that but yeah so I'll I'll sit here and I'll read and it has to be a physical book I don't like electronic books I need to be able to smell the actual book so just reading different things, um, brunch and going to the spa. That's what I also love to do. I try to do that at least every two to three weeks. So 
Yeah. Other than that, just spending time with my family. Family is everything to me. They're a little bit cuckoo, you know, <laughs> but those are my people. I like to spend time with my family. I reach out to my family and friends, um, try to do it at least once a day. So yeah, that's what I do. Yes. Okay. I love the spa. Yes. Oh, the best thing ever. Like literally best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> it is. What's up? Um, do you like mimosas? Love mimosas. Yes. Mimosas are perfect with brunch. Perfect pairing with brunch. Yes. It's the best drink, poetry, right? I also write poetry too. So I forgot about that. I like to do that in my free time. So you might catch me at like a poetry, a poetry night or something like that. Open mic night. That's my thing too. So yeah. Oh, okay. That's dope. Okay. All right. I like it. What about movies? Do you like movies? Do you have a favorite movie, favorite book? Ooh. Mm, let's see favorite movie I'm a big horror movie fan so anything that's like genuinely scary like the conjuring level scary is my thing um anything that's scary I'll watch um favorite book Ooh, that's tough I have a lot of favorite books I will say anything that's relatable I'll put it like that um the alchemist is one of my favorites though um has a great message just a short quick read so I'd say that's definitely one of my favorites but yeah anything that can teach you something I'm down for anything that's relatable okay girl first of all you talking my language you said you like horror movies and you like the conjuring do you know how much I love the conjuring oh my goodness oh love it they don't make good good scary movies anymore so there's a new yeah I'm excited about that which one the new Halloween is supposed to come out. Oh. I'm super excited. I think it's coming out the end of this year. So I'm all tuned in and ready for that. Wait, I didn't hear about that one. I'm going to have to look that trailer up. Yes, look it up, girl. Looks good. Oh, yes. I'm into the Halloween. That's actually my favorite, my most favorite um, films. Michael Myers. I love him. Really? I do. Um, I don't know if I have a favorite. It's hard for me. I just love anything. <laughs> Halloween is my favorite holiday, so. Oh, okay, okay. See, we can rock, okay? You like brunch, mimosas, the spa, horror movies. <laughs> I'm going to have to call you up when I'm in Baltimore, which is all the time. <laughs> yes, girl. Yes, we could, we could definitely go out or something. But because yeah. um, I've been trying to talk to people like, okay, so on Facebook, I'll be posting about the conjuring and nobody's talking about it. I guess most people don't like it or a lot of people not into it. I don't know, but I'm like, how y'all not into the conjuring though? Like, it's, it's great the best scary movie series ever they probably just get that's all <laughs> right they probably are now if you had a chance to travel back in history and you could have a conversation with anyone who would it be and why hmm. uh, ooh. oh no that's tough back in history anybody i would probably say my dad um i lost my dad when i was younger so I feel like a lot of things that I think about as an adult, I can relate back to that loss in some way. So I feel like if I could go back and talk to anyone, it would be to him and not necessarily about anything specific, but I feel like just having another conversation would probably change the path of a lot of my thoughts as an adult, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a good one. 
All right. So now we come to the time of the show that I love. It is my favorite and is the audience's favorite. It is called Unpack um, Your Box. And that's basically where you get one minute. And I always say no one is counting where you can say whatever it is you want to say, whatever is on your chest, your heart, whatever you want to say. Mm, I want to say trust yourself you know, trust in yourself. I find that just in therapy and in life in general, a lot of things can be avoided and a lot of things can, can change with you just trusting yourself. People second guess so much of everything. Like I want everybody to just say, trust yourself, you know, whatever it is that you want to do, don't wait for anything or anybody, just go ahead and do it. If it sounds scary, that means you probably need to do it even more. Um, so yeah, trust in yourself, be very mindful of the, the company that you keep and, you know, yeah, do what it is that make you happy because life is too, 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 too short to be any, any, anything but happy. Aside from that, travel because I love to travel. So that's it. That's all I got. Love you guys. And thanks for listening. Check me out. Um, my Instagram is therapy T underscore. So that's therapy T H E R A P Y T E A underscore, um, for anything therapy related and yeah, that's it. Thanks for having me. Yes, Zena, thank you for coming to the show because I had a great time talking to you. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you. Me too. And you gave some really helpful information. I love it. Y'all make sure y'all connect with this queen. She's amazing. Her work is inspiring. And like I said before, it takes a special individual to do this kind of work because it's not easy. So we thank you for everything that you have done and for everything that you're going to do for changing lives, for saving lives. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. You are so welcome, queen. All right, y'all, we are out. Before you leave, keep up with your girl on Instagram at unpacking underscore the underscore box underscore podcast. You can also email me if you like at unpackingtheboxpodcast at gmail.com. And also, if you are enjoying the show, if you were a guest on the show, you know, if you just 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 love the show, make sure you leave me a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts specifically. I don't know if you can do it on the other platforms, but I know for sure you can on Apple. So yes, do that for your girl, especially if you're enjoying it, you know, let me know. All right, y'all be well.